Three of the biggest names in this year's coaching hiring cycle are Ben Johnson, Jim Harbaugh, and Bill Belichick, and we're breaking down the pros and cons of all three should they land in Atlanta. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com and use code Locked On to get $20 off your order. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. And guys, if you don't know me, I'm your very humble host, Aaron Freeman, covering the Falcons for far too long, formerly at falcfans.com, RIP, right? Started out blogging on falcfans.com way back in 06 and 07. So I've covered too many coaching cycles with this team. Uh, And of course, continuing here on this illustrious podcast. And we appreciate each and every one of you that are everydayers, right? The two of you that were actually reading falcfans.com, RIP, way back in the day. Appreciate you guys for sticking with me all this long. Uh, and, you know, um, you know, hope that the rest of you guys continue to be everydayers. Right? And all you got to do is subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or whenever you listen to podcasts. So today's episode, we're going to talk about the three kind of big names, sort of looking over several lists of sort of who are the hot coaching candidates over the last couple of weeks. These are sort of the three that kind of stand out to a lot of folks. Um, and obviously over the, the coming days, coming weeks, We'll talk more about the prospective candidates that the Falcons are bringing in the interview as their process unfolds. But today we're going to focus on Ben Johnson, Jim Harbaugh, and Bill Belichick, who I think are kind of the big names, the big catches, the, the sort of headline grabbers potentially in this year's coaching cycle. And, you know, I hope that you guys don't walk away from this episode feeling like I peed in a punch bowl or being too negative. Now, I will admit I'm being skeptical. I don't see it quite as negativity. And as I explained several weeks ago on the Black Friday Q&A back in late November, I tend to be very skeptical of most sort of first-time coaches. And in part, it goes back to what we talked about on yesterday's episode with our guest, Jeff Schultz, sort of being like picking coaches is kind of a crapshoot. And sort of the quickest way I can summarize what I said on that Black Friday and piggybacking on that point is kind of like an 80-20. Like, and you contrast it with projecting a wide receiver from college to the pros in the draft where it's like, 80% of being a wide receiver in college is the same as being a wide receiver in the NFL. And it's that extra 20% that you just don't know that's really the projection. So you're making a semi-educated guess there. And I think it's the opposite with first-time head coaches, especially these former coordinators, because like 20% of being an offensive or defensive coordinator is the same as being a head coach. But there's 80% of that job that is completely new and different. And you don't really know, especially with some of these guys, that you know nowadays with a lot of these offensive minded coaches, including Ben Johnson, we're talking about are like, you know, in their late thirties and have only been coaching for like a decade and whatnot. So, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people tend to look at the 20% that we do know about like these play people's play calling and say like, Oh, that's a thumbs up. And so they just kind of assume that the other 80% is going to go that way. I don't tend to make those assumptions. That's where my skepticism comes from. But, you know, recently on the discord, locked on Falcons discord link in the description below, 
you know, someone asked me sort of who my preferred coach would be. And my response was kind of a generic, like, I want a coach that can develop a quarterback, build an explosive offense and build one of the best defenses in the NFL. And who that person is that can check all three of those boxes. I don't really have a clue who that person is. That's the crapshoot nature of it. And while, you know, you may have like a gut feeling on, oh, coach X is that guy that can do that thing. I sort of sit here like, okay, like you're entitled to that gut feeling, but that gut feeling is as meaningful to me as, you know, basically like, is are you sure that gut feeling isn't, you know, the tacos that you ate on Taco Tuesday, right? Rather than some informed opinion that you have in your gut or whatever. So, you know, I want to give that caveat before we get into our first coach, which is Ben Johnson. And sort of, I think of the three things I want to coach in Atlanta do, I think you can be fairly optimistic, if not confident, that Ben Johnson can do one of those things, which is build that explosive offense. And I think one of the biggest pros of Ben Johnson is the similarities that he has with Arthur Smith, that he can kind of build off what Arthur Smith has already established there and take it to the next level. But I think that also gets us to the con of Ben Johnson, which is his resume is fairly identical to what Arthur Smith's was when he was first hired in Atlanta three years ago. And like, you know, they both played at UNC. You know, Johnson was a few years younger than Arthur Smith. But, you know, Johnson started out his coaching career 23 years old as a graduate assistant, Arthur Smith 24 as a graduate assistant. Right. They both became low level assistants in the NFL. Ben Johnson at 26, first in Miami in like 2012. Arthur Smith at 25 in Washington at 07, in 07. Right. Ben Johnson survived four coaching changes, two in Miami, Joe Philbin to Adam Gase, then Matt Patricia to Dan Campbell in Detroit before he was, you know, promoted to um, offensive coordinator by that fourth coach, Dan Campbell in this case, midway through, I think, his 10th season as an NFL assistant at around age 35. Arthur Smith survived four coaching changes in Tennessee. I don't remember the exact order, but it was Munchak, uh, Wizard Hunt, Mike Malarkey, and then Frabel. That fourth coach promoted him to OC when Arthur Smith was in his 11th season as an NFL assistant at age 37. And uh, Ben Johnson, in two full seasons as a play caller, was considered one of the top play callers in the NFL. Arthur Smith, two seasons as a play caller, considered one of the top uh, play callers in the NFL. Arthur Smith gets hired at age 38 as a first-time head coordinate, head coach. And Ben Johnson is going to turn 38 in May as a potential first-time head coach. So when you hear me say things like Ben Johnson is Arthur Smith 2.0, in part, it's because of the similarities that they have. But also at the same time, you can think of that 2.0 as a better version of Arthur Smith, right? And I think we talked about this in the week three crossover with Locked on Lions. I think I said, like, it feels like Ben Johnson's offense is a better fully formed version of Arthur Smith's offense. It's very similar in terms of being run heavy, play action based, you know, being good in the red zone, that sort of thing. And, you know, to me, the biggest difference was having a proven veteran like Jared Goff and having an untested youngster like Desmond Ritter is the biggest difference, not just Ben Johnson's superior play calling. Um, and so when you look at Ben Johnson, you're like, okay, he can build the explosive offense that we want to do. Can he build the defensive staff? We'll see. That remains to be seen. And can he develop a quarterback? Again, that remains to be seen because while he was in Miami, he started in Miami at the same time that Ryan Tannehill started there. And he did coach Ryan Tannehill as assistant quarterbacks coach for a couple of years. I don't know if you would look at Ryan Tannehill as a successful development for the Dolphins over the years. He, he certainly turned into a, a capable quarterback in Miami, but he was kind of just a mid-tier quarterback there. And then when you look at the other quarterbacks that Ben Johnson has, you know, coached or been around it was like one year of jay cutler in miami then in detroit it was matt stafford and jerick also established veterans so that to me remains a question with ben johnson and so while i like ben johnson 
Um, and if you were compelling me to come up with sort of the short list of preferred candidates, he'd probably be number one or two on that list. But, you know, it gets back. I can't help but think back to something we talked about on the podcast when the Falcons first hired Arthur Smith back in 21, which was, I think you, the argument was that they hired Arthur Smith because he was brought in to fix two of the biggest deficiencies in the dirt cutter offense, which was the run game in the red zone, two things that Arthur Smith excelled in, in Tennessee. And I think you can argue that if the Falcons hire Ben Johnson. It's with the idea of he's going to fix one of the biggest issues in Arthur Smith's offense, which is the explosiveness, the lack of explosiveness. So, you know, I've been around long enough where like it, it usually doesn't work out as easily as that seems to be, which is why I, I tend to be probably a little bit more skeptical than the average fan is of Ben Johnson. But that's just kind of the general overview of Ben Johnson. A lot of similarities with Arthur Smith, arguably a better version of Arthur Smith can build off of that success. And when we're talking about, you know, potentially taking the Falcons to the next level, that's where our next coach, Jim Harbaugh, fits into that description and we'll get into that as we continue today's Locked On Falcon. So it's the new year, and maybe your reservation resolution, I'm sorry, is to be more prepared this year, especially now, you know, that flu season is upon us. And recently I dealt with, you know, out of COVID. And so, you know, it's a good time to be thinking about your health and making sure that you have access to life-saving medication is the best prep. And Jace Medical is here for you, especially now that according to the FDA, there, there's been a recent shortage on antibiotics. And Jace Medical has the Jace case, which is a pack of five different antibiotics that treat a long list of bacterial infections uh, in illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory, sinus infections, and so much more. All you got to do to check out the Jace case, you visit jacemedical.com. A board-certified physician will review what you need, and a licensed pharmacy will send you the medications at a fraction of the regular cost. And it's more important than ever to be prepared today. Go to jacemedical.com, use the offer code locked on, and you'll get $20 off your order. That's J A S E medical.com, promo code locked on for $20 off. And I want to tell you about Prize Fix, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. And now that basketball season is here, you got to love the combos league, right? You can combine projections from different sports, different leagues with different players, right? You can combine NBA, college basketball, NFL playoffs. Not so much college football anymore, uh, but hockey as well, right? And if you have the skills, you can uh, turn ten dollars into two fifty, uh, two hundred fifty dollars with prize picks. It's simple to play; just pick two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats. The more entries you make, the more money you make. Up to twenty-five times your money. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and enormous selection of players and stat types is what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to PrizePicks.com/slash/lockedonNFL. Use code in lowercase LockedOnNFL. For a first deposit match up to $100, that's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Promo code locked on NFL. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. So uh, before we talk about Jim Harbaugh, I want to plug the Locked On Sports Today 24-7 streaming channel to get all the biggest stories across all the biggest sports across the world. And if you want more of that local flavor, check out Locked On Sports Atlanta's 24-7 streaming channel here on YouTube, your team every day. So Jim Harbaugh, I think the biggest pro for him is similar to Johnson is that you can kind of build off of the foundation that Arthur Smith and company have laid in terms of the identity that Jim Harbaugh teams have. This was true in Stanford. This is true in Michigan. This is true in San Francisco. They're going to be run first teams that kick butt in the trenches. And that's basically what Arthur Smith wanted to build here. You can debate how successful he was. I think he certainly made strides compared to previous regimes 
but obviously the Falcons could continue to make strides in that regard. And, you know, I think it's not crazy to call Harbaugh a program builder, right? Um, you know, because like in all three of his stops, he kind of turned around teams and schools that had kind of fallen on harder times prior to his arrival, right? When he arrived at Stanford, it had been six years since they had won, had a winning season or been to a bowl. He transformed that program, you know, into one of the top programs in college football by his third year. Um, the 49ers hadn't had a winning season in eight years prior to Jim Harbaugh's arrival, and they went to three consecutive conference championship games in his first three years there and obviously went to the Super Bowl and lost that Super Bowl in his second year there, uh, including beating the Atlanta Falcons in one of those conference championship games. And then when he took over at Michigan, you know, obviously a very storied program, but that hadn't been the case in recent years leading up to his arrival the seven previous seasons under Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez, you know, they had some success. They had gone to bowl games and whatnot, but they had kind of morphed into like a mid-tier Big Ten school, you know, with the Ohio States and the Wisconsins above them and teams like Penn State and Iowa kind of being on the same level as Michigan. And obviously that's a program that's, you know, believes it can compete at the highest levels for national championships. And Harbaugh was able to eventually build that over the last eight years and obviously manifesting in the last three years specifically with them making three consecutive uh, college football playoff appearances culminating in Monday night's national championship win. Uh, go dogs. Um, referring to the Bulldogs, not Washington. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so I think if the goal is to get to the next level, I think it's understandable why a coach like Jim Harbaugh would be attractive to the Falcons, right? I think the biggest con of Jim Harbaugh is not really anything that deals with on the field stuff. It's kind of that he's kind of a jerk, right? That's been sort of what everybody kind of says about him. And we'll talk about Bill Belichick later in the episode. But I think the general consensus on Belichick is he's kind of a generally a cool dude, but he's purposely a jerk to the media. And you just get the sense that Harbaugh is just like always a jerk. Like there's no coolness in Harbaugh, right? Now, what I will say in Harbaugh's defense like unlike Belichick, I've never heard any stories about players disliking him and how he conducts himself, right? There are plenty of players of expatriates that were basically like, I hated going to work every single day there. It was hell on earth. I I haven't heard that about from ex-49ers players on uh, Jim Harbaugh. So, you know, similar to Belichick, but different in, in, in certain ways, right? Um, now, it ended in San Francisco, not because seemingly the players hated him, uh, seemingly because the owner and the general manager hated him, right? He butted heads with both of those people. And that's what I mean when it's like he's a jerk to the point that he kind of wears out his welcome in the minute he's not winning, which is what happened in his, final, his fourth year in San Francisco, where they went like eight and eight. You know, they were like, let's get this guy out of here, right? And so you do wonder a little bit, okay, since he butt-headed in San Francisco, would he butt-heads here in Atlanta with the owner, with the general manager? Can he fit into the current sort of set status quo? And I think there's lots of reasons to be very skeptical of that based off of Harbaugh's track record. Um, and I think some of it is owed to the general perception, especially towards the end of San Francisco and Michigan, was that he has tendency to kind of look for other jobs as well. And, you know, if we're talking about Ben Johnson being Arthur Smith 2.0, that kind of reminds me of Harbaugh maybe being Bobby Petrino 2.0, right? Now, Harbaugh's probably a much better coach than Bobby Petrino, although my hottest take is I don't think Bobby Petrino is that bad of a coach. But, you know, you didn't hear that from me. Um, but, like, because the Falcons have been burned by that type of coach that has those types of quote-unquote vibes, you know, I would be surprised if they went down the Harbaugh road. But, what you can say, he's a proven winner. 
I don't, I'm not convinced he's a long-term solution because typically he kind of wears out his welcome within three to five years, right? But if you wind up winning a Super Bowl in those three to five years, you know, I don't think you or Arthur Blank or even myself, you know, I love to complain, are going to complain about that. So that's the general gist of, of, of Jim Harbaugh. And speaking of winning Super Bowls, that gets us to the conversation about Bill Belichick, who has won a lot of Super Bowls in his time. But I'm going to explain why I'm, let's say, extremely skeptical of Bill Belichick's ability to do that here in Atlanta. And we'll get into that to wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. Today's episode of Locked on Falcons is sponsored by BetterHelp. And around the New Year's, we tend to get obsessed with ways that we can change ourselves rather than just expanding on the things that we're already doing, right? And therapy can help you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions, right? And make the changes that actually are going to stick in this new year, right? Therapy has been good for me, taught me things like I can only control what I can control. I think it can help lots of people. And so if you're thinking of starting therapy, I've tried BetterHelp. I think you should give BetterHelp a try. It's much more affordable than traditional offline therapy. That was what attracted to me because I'm cheap. And, you know, it's entirely done online and much more affordable um, uh, than traditional offline therapy. As I said, it's convenient, it's flexible, it's suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist quickly, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge if your initial therapist isn't the greatest fit for you. So celebrate your progress you've already made with BetterHelp by visiting betterhelp.com slash locked on today, and you'll get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. So let's wrap up today by dunking on Bill Belichick, right? We're going to talk pros and cons, but we're going to focus mostly on the cons because I think the pros kind of speak for themselves. Like everybody knows Bill Belichick um, is, you know, arguably the greatest coach ever. But I think there's a lot of reasons to be skeptical over whether or not Belichick moving forward is going to match with the sort of long-term projection of his history and more the recent history. And that's what we're going to focus on, right? Because I think the last few years, the last three years, especially the last two years, really kind of diminished the accomplishments of what Belichick did in the 20 years. Um, and it feels like those most three, three recent years kind of project more accurately what probably will happen for Belichick's next team over the next three years than what the previous 20 did. And, you know, we'll start with one pro for Belichick, which is I think he still remains one of the best you know, defensive coaches in the NFL, right? The past three years, the Patriots, despite all their struggles, have been a top 10 defense according to DVOA every single year and been a top five defense, I think, in two of those three years. Um, however, you get the opposite kind of results on offense. That's the biggest con, right? There have been diminishing returns there since Brady, Tom Brady's departure. And, of course, you know, you can owe some of that to lesser quarterback play than what you had in the other GOAT, Tom Brady. Um, but I think a lot of it is owed to some poor choices by Bill Belichick, especially uh, his struggles to find good play callers outside of basically, you know, he's had two OCs for most of his time that he's had a lot of success with, with Josh McDaniels and Bill O'Brien. And outside of that circle, you're like, all right, like who else you got? Right. And then you question his ability to develop a quarterback and pick up the quarterback. Right. And it feels like some of those poor coaching choices, you know, the Matt Patricia, Joe judge experiment in 2022 kind of ruined Mac Jones's development. 
And, you know, New England has had a similar revolving door at quarterback since Brady's departure with Cam Newton and Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi as the Falcons have had at their quarterback position post Matt Ryan, right? And so it doesn't make you feel great about his ability to pick a quarterback moving forward because he hasn't really been able to do that in recent years. And then you look at another con, which is his questionable roster building, right? Because the assumption a lot of people make is Bill Belichick is going to want control of the roster in his new spot, just like he's had for basically two decades in his old spot in New England. And New England is kind of notorious for being a bad drafting team. Now, again, it's a testament to Belichick's coaching ability that he can overcome, you know, a decade's worth of bad drafts um, and still be a successful team. But then you sit here and go like once, once Tom Brady kind of covered up, you know, that stink, like you kind of saw the bottom fall out the last couple of years. And then you also look at the big free agent splurge that they went on in the 2021 off season. And not too many of those signings have held up well under scrutiny in the year since other than maybe Matt Jadon. And then you couple that with the potential that you're going to give up draft assets for Bill Belichick, right? You know, potentially multiple first round picks to, to lure Belichick away from new England where he's still under contract, which is how that works, you know? Um, And, you know, everybody's least favorite pass fan, Bill Simmons, I saw came out with a suggestion that, you know, the Falcons could give the Patriots their first and get back the Patriots second along with Belichick. And that would be an even swap. You know, it's up to you how you feel about that. I wouldn't love that uh, for all the reasons I'm explaining to you now. But, you know, giving up those assets is going to hamper, you know, someone who's already questionable at roster building's ability to continue building the roster, which as we've discussed ad nauseum on this podcast, the Falcons need to continue to do in order to make strides and get back to the postseason. And then the, you couple that with the other factor that is like the age and longevity of Bill Belichick. How, you know, are you going to give up long-term assets for what at best is probably going to be a short-term game, which is hiring Bill Belichick, given that he's going to turn 72 this April. It's been widely reported that he's basically coaching still so that he can break Don Shula's all-time wins record. I think he's 14 wins away. And so let's assume that he, he, he gets that within the next two seasons. Then is he going to retire at like 75 and hang it up? And then what do you do if you're the Falcons? You're like, is you're going to let him handpick your successor or are you going to be right back in the coaching uh, hiring cycle in three years, right? And if he's given the ability to handpick his successor, it's like, I don't, I don't know about that because so far all the guys in the Belichick coaching tree, with the exception of Bill O'Brien, who's the most successful, and again, like that's saying a lot, you know, whether we're talking about Nick Saban, I know only talking about pro Nick Saban, not college Nick Saban, Romeo Cornell, Eric Mangini, Josh McDaniels, Matt Patricia, Brian Flores, Joe Judge, and Brian Dable, all of those guys are sub-500 coaches historically, right? And so it's just like, all right, like, I don't know if this is going to work. So, you know, to me, in summary, Belichick's 20-plus years uh, speak for themselves. He he is absolutely a Hall of Famer, first ballot, the GOAT coach, no problem saying it. But I think people should be extremely skeptical over whether his next gig should he leave New England is going to look like those first 20 years. And I think it's much more likely that they're going to look like the last two or three years. And I think the the coach that he has basically been comparable to the coach is, I should say that he's basically been comparable to the last two or three years is like Dennis Allen or Matt Everflus. And well, you know, I don't say that to say that those guys are terrible coaches, but like, I don't think you're going to sit there and be like, man, we hired a superstar in, in Dennis Allen and Matt Everflus, two coaches that are certainly 
capable of producing high-level defenses, as we've seen in New Orleans and, and, and Chicago in recent years. But outside of that, it's like, what else are you bringing to the table? Like, I don't know if you're bringing that much to the table for me to be loving you. So, you know, I, I think the tendency with Belichick is people tend to be too focused on what he did in 2004 rather than what he has done in 2024. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some people that be like, oh, you just hate Belichick because you're still bitter about 28 to 3. And it's like, okay, sure. I don't, I don't really hate him. But if you're going to accuse me of hating Bill Belichick, it's not because I'm butthurt about a football game that happened seven years ago. It's because, like, essentially the Patriots the last two-ish years have been looked like, at least from my vantage point, one of the worst run teams in the NFL. And it feels like 99% of that is due to terrible choices made by Bill Belichick in that span. And he's essentially run that team into the ground. And it feels like he's just kind of going through the motions until he breaks Don Chula's record. And then he's going to retire. And I just go like, why would, why would anybody be excited about that other than just the pedigree of Bill Belichick? But I don't think he really brings any sort of real value. Like you're going to give up so much value, so much money, so much traffic and basically get dinner. Like, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Like, you know, that's, that's me. That's me. Clearly, you know, I have thoughts, but you know, there's been a lot of talk about Blank's hiring process, especially after the most recent press conference. And to me, like hiring Belichick is just like, you're just trying to win the press. You're just trying to get headlines. And I don't think Arthur Blank has historically done that. Like he's made quote unquote splash hires, but it's usually in the form of hiring the the hot up and coming coordinator, right? Whether that's Dan Quinn or Arthur Smith or, you know, Ben Johnson would fit in that paradigm. And, you know, I know there's some people, and we'll probably wind up talking about this potentially on tomorrow's episode or later this week at some point, um, that are very skeptical of the typical process under Arthur Blank. I, I don't share that skepticism. Um, but it, it does feel like to me, like, these moves don't make a ton of sense, right? Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Terry's involvement potentially on tomorrow's episode, but like, it just like, to me, I, I look at it and I go like, Belichick is to, to, to me purely just trying to make headlines. Harbaugh is a splash hire, but at least Harbaugh, like, you know, in terms of what have you done for me lately is like win football, you know? Um, so like, at least th- that splash hire makes more sense to me even though I, again, for the reasons I mentioned before, like, I don't think the Falcons will go that way. So, you know, of these three, it feels like Ben Johnson's the most plausible of the three. So that's where we'll wrap this episode. We'll, you know, you may have noticed that we talked about three white guys on today's episode as the hot names. And I do want to talk about some of the minority candidates that will get interviews and shouldn't just be considered token interviews, should be considered legit options that may be just as good, if not better than some of these options that we talked about on today's episode. And, you know, I don't know if I'll narrow it down to three, but kind of the big four seem to me, Eric Bieniemy, Ajiro Evero, the Panthers defense coordinator, Raheem Morris, uh, and Brian Flores. You know, maybe we'll add Steve Wilkes or, or Antonio Pierce to that conversation as to round out the top five. But, you know, at some point I do want to talk about those guys. I don't know when exactly that will be, but we'll we'll, we'll explore that in the coming days and weeks. And we'll continue to explore the Falcons coaching search We'll probably wind up talking, you know, some of the quarterback options. Like, you know, you imagine if the Falcons hire Jim Harbaugh, you know, pencil in J.J. McCarthy as the Falcons starting quarterback in 2024. How you feel about that? You know, your your mileage may vary on that. Um, don't know. Again, that's where we were talking about with 
Ben Johnson. Don't know where he would go. Um, would he go veteran? Would he go young player? Who knows? You know, who knows what Belichick's going to do uh, at this point? You know, maybe, maybe he'll bring Cam Newton out of retirement. I don't know. Um, he'll probably hire Josh McDaniels as OC. My guess is Harbaugh will probably hire like Pep Hamilton as his OC. And Ben Johnson, of course, will call his own play. So um, just some extra little tidbits to, to leave you percolating here at the end of the episode. But we'll get more into, you know, everybody's question is, where's Terry, right? Where, where's Terry at? And that will probably be uh, the gist of tomorrow's episode. And, you know, is Rich McKay too involved? And is Arthur Blank, you know, uh, this meddlesome owner? And that will be probably what we explore on tomorrow's episode. So continue to make Locked on Falcons your first listen or first watch each and every day. Of course, check us out on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's all part of Locked on Podcast Network. Check out Locked on Sports Today, Locked on Sports Atlanta, their 24 streaming channel. Again, it's all part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.